Are you thankful for Jesus this morning? Amen. Take out your Bibles this morning. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. As you're doing so, uh, let me remind you again, it's not too late to make a legacy commitment. Um, we're still receiving commitments. They're still coming in from people that have been out of town. And so if you'd still like to make a commitment to our legacy campaign, we're not just building a building. We're building, help me church, a legacy on the tables in the back. Before you leave, you can pick up a card, fill that out. You can drop it in the offering bucket or turn it in at the Got Questions table. And you can be can still be a part of our legacy uh, campaign. You know, Thanksgiving, as you know, is this coming Thursday. You guys excited about Thanksgiving? It's going to be a great holiday. It's one of my favorite holidays because they haven't been able to commercialize it like some of the other holidays. It's a time where we get family and friends together and, and we get to give thanks. And I, I, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for as a church. We have a lot to be thankful for as individuals. And one of the most important things that we have to be thankful for is Jesus and his sacrifice. And that is why we always try to do a communion service the Sunday before Thanksgiving because that is the greatest thing that we have to be thankful for. The fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for our sins to pay for our salvation, to provide us eternal life. And that's something to be thankful for, Orchard Church. And so that's what communion is, is all about. But, you know, we never want communion to just be a ritual. We never want it to be just a duty. We don't want it to just be something that we come in and we go through the motions, uh, especially for those of you that maybe have been in church uh, for many years of your life and you've done this many times. You go, oh, we're just doing communion again. We always want it to be something that is special. We never want to just go through the motions. Amen? We, we, we want it to be a time of understanding what it's really all about. And so this morning for a few moments as we prepare to take the elements in a few moments of communion, I, I want us to answer the question, why do we share communion together? I mean, well, if you weren't a churchgoer and you were to come into our service and we're handing out these little plastic cups, you know, and this little piece of bread on top that doesn't taste very good, we know that. People probably wonder, what is, I mean, this all about? I mean, is this a snack? I mean, what is, what is going on here? I mean, if you think about it, if you're not a churchgoer, you don't know what it's all about. But even those of us that have gone to church for a long time, we can sometimes forget the meaning of why we do what we do. You know, it kind of reminds me of a story of a family that was having their Thanksgiving meal, and they had all the family over, and mom and dad were there, and grandma and grandpa were there, and great-grandma and grandpa were there. Now, this family didn't like turkey. And so they decided they were going to have ham for Thanksgiving instead of turkey, which I think is a sin, personally, but that's another story. <laughs> And so they're going to have ham, and that was their tradition. And so mom is preparing the ham to put it in a pan, to put it in the oven, and she gets out a knife, and she cuts off both ends of the ham. And then she puts it in the pan and then puts it in the oven. And her daughter, the little girl, is watching this happen, and she says, Mommy, why did you cut off both ends of the ham before you put it into the oven to cook it? And the mommy said, Well, I'm not really sure. That's what my mom used to always do, your grandma. And maybe, I, maybe it gets the juices and flavor in there better. I'm not really sure. And so the little girl goes to her grandmother and she says, Grandma, why did you always cut off the ends of the ham before you put it in the pan to put it in the oven to cook it? And she thought for a moment. She said, well, you know, I'm not really sure why I did that. My mother used to always do that. Your great-grandmother. So she went to great-grandma and she said, great-grandmother, why did you always cut off both ends of the ham before you put it in the pan to put it in the oven? And she said, because my pan was too small for the ham. <laughs> Sometimes we do things out of habit and out of ritual, and we don't even realize why we're doing it. And I want us to just take a few moments this morning to just pause. 
before we partake of these elements and we celebrate communion together and, and just answer that question, why do we share communion together? What is this really all about? I want it to have meaning for you. I want it to have depth for you. I want it to be what Jesus intended it to be when he instituted this very spiritual act 2,000 years ago. And so I hope you'll take some notes this morning. I just want to give you three simple thoughts this morning, why we share communion. And we see these right in the scripture. The first reason we share communion and why we do this is to remember. It's a time of remembrance. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took what, church? He took, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke that bread and he said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in what? Remembrance of me. Everybody say remembrance. He said every time from this time forward that you take bread in the act of communion, it's to remember something about me and what I did for you. And then he goes on and expands it in verse 25. He says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Communion is a time of remembrance. And, and they're symbolic. These elements have symbolism. The cup and the bread. They, we, we don't believe here at Orchard Church that, that the cup and the bread have any saving power or forgiving power. We believe that they are symbols of that which does have saving and forgiving power, which is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. They're symbolic. And why are they symbolic? To, to help us to look back and remember the significance of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's kind of like a wedding ring. You know, I wear my wedding ring. Going on 23 years of marriage this Christmas. Yes, celebrate what Shelly has gone through for 23 years. Happen to put up with me. She deserves a hand. But this wedding ring that I've worn for 23, going on 23 years, doesn't make me married. If I take it off, I'm not unmarried. It's my commitment to my wife. That's what makes me marry. And, and the wedding ring is a, is a picture and it's a symbol of our relationship. You know, we have another symbol in the Christian life that we, we frequently do around here at Orchard Church every month. We're getting ready to have one next Sunday. It's called baptism where people are baptized and that is a symbol of their faith. We don't believe that baptism saves anyone or forgives anyone or washes away sins. Only Jesus Christ can do that. But baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision of our faith in Jesus Christ. We say it this way, when you get baptized, you're going public with your faith. It's the, it's the wedding ring of the Christian life. And so we have a lot of symbolism in the Bible and in our Christian faith. And communion is one of those times of symbolism. The, the cup and the bread, symbolic of what Christ did for us so that we can remember it. And, and I want to talk about these two symbols for just a moment. I don't want to just assume that everyone knows what they mean. First symbol that we have in the scripture is the bread. Jesus said, this is my body. The bread is a representation, a symbol of my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread reminds us of the body of Christ that was crucified, that was nailed to a cross to pay for our sins. You see, the Bible tells us that we were all born sinners, all of us. How many of you have ever sinned? Raise your hand as a testimony. Okay, look around, look around. That's about everybody. If someone's not raising their hand, they just sinned because we've all sinned. We've all done something. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God, a relationship with him. Romans 3.10 says there is none of us that are righteous, right with God on our own. No, not one of us. 
And God wanted a relationship with us, but our sin is what separated us from that relationship. And God was willing to do something about it. You see, this is the difference between religion and Christianity. If you're looking for religion this morning, I'm sorry to tell you this. Or actually, I'm happy to tell you this. You're not going to find it at Orchard Church. This is not a religious church. We do not offer religion. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about here. About a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, religion is man's attempt to try to cover their sins and make themselves right with God. But Christianity is God looking down and saying there's nothing that man can do of themselves. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might have our sins forgiven. And the symbolism of the bread is the body, the sinless, perfect uh, sacrifice of the body of Christ to pay for our sins. I love the, the way that Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew what, church? No sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everybody say righteousness. That's a big Bible word. And the way I was taught when I was very young to, to remember what the word righteousness means, it means right with God. Righteousness. It means to be made right with God. Before we accept Christ, we're not right with God. We're separated because of our sins, but when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his body that took our sins upon the cross, that's when we're made righteousness. We're made right with God. You may wonder, why do we use the kind of bread that we use in communion? You know, a little wafer. It's unleavened bread. The reason we use unleavened bread, because in the Bible, leaven was a picture of impurity. It was a picture of sin. We use unleavened bread because it's a perfect picture of the sinless body of Jesus Christ who took all of our sin, past, present, and future, upon himself and said, I will take their sin. And he died on the cross and he says, it is finished. It's paid in full. Are you thankful for that this morning, Orchard Church, for the body of Jesus Christ that paid for our sins? But it doesn't stop there. He didn't just give his body. He shed his blood, and that's represented in the cup, the cup of Christ. The, Jesus said it this way in verse 25. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup represents the blood of Christ. His blood that was poured out, his blood that was shed to pay for our sins. Because the Bible says, this is God's rules, this is God's law. It says, without the shedding of blood, there's no payment for sins. And we can't just shed our blood because our blood is sinful blood. But Jesus shed his perfect blood, his sinless, spotless blood. He shed his blood to cover and pay for all of our sins once and for all. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 1. He, Jesus, is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our what, church? Freedom. Our freedom. Our freedom. If you ask Pastor Doug, what is your favorite movie? It's Braveheart. And my favorite scene in Braveheart is at the end where he yells out, Freedom! That's what we should all be screaming as Christians. Because when Jesus shed his blood for our sins and we put our faith and trust in him, he set us free from our sins. He set us free from bondage. How did he do it? He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave us our sins. He set us free. He forgave us of our sins because of the shedding of his blood. Turn to someone next to you and say, I'm free. Do you believe that this morning, Orchard Church? We're free 
because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we partake of communion, we remember the perfect sinless body of Jesus Christ that was given to pay for our sins. And we remember in the cup his blood that was shed for our sins to cover all our sins, past, present, and future. That he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. But Jesus also makes an interesting statement that I don't want you to miss that is often not talked about. But there's so much meaning and depth to what he said in verse 25 when he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. What did Jesus mean when he said that this cup represents the new covenant? Well, if there's a new covenant, that means there had to be what? An old covenant. Now, don't miss this. This is a beautiful picture that Jesus is painting for us. A lot of times people ask me, what is the theme of the Bible? You know, if you could boil it all down, what is the Bible really all about? You know what the center of the Bible is? It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the centerpiece of the Bible and all of history and eternity. History is his story. You see, in the Old Testament, everything looked toward a Messiah that would come and atone and pay for sins. And they didn't know it in the Old Testament that it was going to be a cross. Even though God tried to give them hints. They, they weren't really sure what it was going to look like. But they believed that one day there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come and was going to take care of all the sins. And set the people free, the Jews free. And they looked forward to that Messiah. Jesus, 2,000 years, came and he died on the cross for our sins. He gave his body and his blood. The new covenant is we don't look forward. We look back to the cross. If that makes sense, say yes. The old covenant looked toward the Messiah. The new covenant, we look back to the Messiah who gave his body and gave his blood on the cross. You remember in the Old Testament when the Jews were in bondage in Egypt and God wanted to set them free from their bondage and their slavery. It's a picture of us being in our bondage and slavery to our sin before Jesus set us free. And, and God said, listen, you need to take a lamb, a spotless, perfect lamb. You need to sacrifice it and take its what? blood and put it over the doorpost of your house and God said when I come this night when I see the blood that you had enough faith in what God said in the blood of that lamb that you put that over your door I'm going to pass over you and that night you're going to be set free and they were and then after that happened they said once a year I want you to have a special meal to remember what I did that night we call it they call it the Passover meal to this day the Jews call it the Passover meal is the night that they were passed over from death to life because of the faith they had in the blood of the lamb on their doorpost and that started an act of sacrificing lambs and animals because the shedding of the blood was the picture of the payment for sin. And that was all under the Old Testament. And there was hundreds and thousands and thousands of lambs and animals that were sacrificed to try to cover and pay for the sins of Israel. And they did this over and over and over. And once a year, they had a meal called the Passover meal to remember that night and that blood of that lamb and that sacrifice until Jesus Christ came on the scene. And just before he was arrested and then tried and then crucified, he was in an upper room with his disciples having a meal. We call it the Last Supper with his disciples. And it wasn't just any old meal. Guess what meal it was? It was the Passover meal. It was the meal that the Jews had celebrated for hundreds of years to remember what God had done through the Passover and the faith they had in the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus said, from this night forward, you're not going to look back to the Lamb in Egypt. You're going to look back to me as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he turned the Passover meal into what we know today as communion. And it's a time of remembrance because Jesus is our Passover Lamb. 
And he said, that's the new covenant. You don't need to look at all those other lambs. Look at this lamb. Remember, it was John the Baptist when he saw Jesus coming one day. He said, hey, check it out. Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I love the way the writer of Hebrews says this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, he says, but our high priest, and he's talking about Jesus, offered himself to God as a, say it, church, single sacrifice. The high priest would go in and made all these sacrifices in the past of animals. But our high priest, Jesus, gave a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. That includes today, amen? All time means all time. And then I love this. He sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And you know why I believe that Jesus sat down? Because the work was done. The work was complete. The redemption work was finished. And because of what the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, did, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. We don't have to sacrifice lambs anymore. Because Jesus made a single sacrifice for all time. And he sat down because his job was done to save us, to forgive us us, to redeem us, to adopt us, to give us eternal life. At Orchard Church, somebody needs to get excited about that this morning. That is what this is all about. That is what communion is all about. Remembering the sacrifice once and for all that Jesus made to pay for our sins and to give us eternal life. His body and the shedding of His blood in communion. Why do we share communion? It's to remember what Jesus did for us. Not only is it a time to remember. Here's another reason why we celebrate communion. It's a time to rejoice. It's a time to rejoice. Verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. But he doesn't stop there, does he? We're remembering the death and we're looking back. But then he adds something. You proclaim the Lord's death until he what, Orchard Church? Till he comes. And a lot of people miss this at the communion table. They think the communion is just a time to look back at the death and the sacrifice and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, Orchard Church, this morning, I got some great news. Communion is not just a time to look back. It's a time to look forward and rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. He is alive and he's coming again. And that is worth celebrating this morning. Amen. That is worth celebrating this morning. We do not come to communion to mourn a corpse. We come to celebrate a risen Lord and Savior. It's not just a time to remember and look back. It's a time to rejoice and look forward to his return. You know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger made a, famous fra a phrase famous. I'll be back. You remember that? Y'all, I want you to understand something this morning. He, he stole that from Jesus. <laughs> Jesus made those words famous the first time. He, when he left, he said, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And every time we partake of communion, we rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is one day going to return. And I don't know about you guys, but I believe it could be very soon. As we look around this crazy, messed up, chaotic world that we live in today it's kind of scary it's kind of fearful what's going on in the world today but you know what as a believer in Jesus Christ we don't have to live in fear we can live in faith because no matter what is going on in the world no matter what terrorist attacks are happening and ISIS and even if it comes to our shores 
Here's some good news, Orchard Church. I've read the end of this book. We win. We win. We win. And the crazier that this world gets, the closer, I believe, we're getting to the return of Jesus Christ. Because if you read the scriptures, the closer you get to the return of Jesus Christ, things don't get better. Things get worse. And everybody right now is freaking out. And there are some horrific, scary things going on in the world. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we can look through a different perspective and through biblical eyes and just understand that there is going to be a day where things are going to be made right. And it's the day when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this earth as a little baby in a manger. But you know what? When he comes back the second time, he's not coming back as a little baby in a manger. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is going to set up his thousand year millennial reign. And he's going to make everything right in the world in that day. And that is what we as believers get to look forward to. And at communion, not only do we remember, we rejoice in the fact that he's coming again. And I don't know about you guys, but we could all use that encouragement right now, couldn't we? Let's keep the perspective of biblical eyes. So communion is a time to remember. It's a time to rejoice. But it's also a time, don't miss this, to repent. To repent. To make things right with the Lord in our life that may not be right where they should be. In verse 27 through 29, Paul says it this way. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner or an unrepentant manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning or respecting the Lord's body. Communion is a, is a beautiful time for us as believers to just stop. To just stop from the busyness and the chaos of life and whatever is going on. And just take a moment and say, you know what? I want to make things right with God. I love the way the psalmist prayed in Psalm 51.10. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. That's something we should do every time we get ready to partake of communion. That we take a moment and we say, God, create a clean heart in me. And there's no reason that anyone here this morning can't prepare their heart to be right with God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we are willing to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of not some, not most, but help me, church, all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful for a God of second chances? And so I don't share this this morning to you about it being a time to repent, to make anybody feel guilty or to make anybody feel shame. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Don't allow the enemy this morning to condemn you, to shame you, to make you feel guilty. But do allow the Holy Spirit of God to convict you if there's an area of your life where you haven't been pleasing to God, if you haven't been walking with God, to make that right to repent before you prepare for communion. And the Lord will hear you and you can make things right. As you just, the word confess, if you confess your sins, it means to just be in agreement with God, to agree with God. You know, this is an area of my life that I need to stop doing. This is an area of my life that I need to start doing 
to be pleasing to you. And as believers in Jesus Christ, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. In the quietness of your seat, to just talk to your Lord and Savior, to share what's on your heart, to make anything right that needs to be made right. Now let me say this before we partake of the elements in just a moment. We believe here at Orchard Church what the Bible models and teaches for us. That communion is only intended for believers in Jesus Christ. Because if someone partakes of communion to remember the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for them, but they've never accepted by faith that sacrifice, it really is no more than a snack. It really is. It's nothing more than that. Its intended purpose is for believers who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Just like we don't baptize people who haven't accepted Christ, we shouldn't partake of communion if we haven't accepted Christ. Amen, Orchard Church? And so if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're not ready to do that, we respect that. It's a personal decision between you and God that only you can make in the time that you're ready to make that decision and God invites you to make that decision. So I would ask you to respectfully, if you're not ready to do that, it's okay to not take communion this morning because it would be meaningless to you. It'd be like putting on a wedding ring, but you didn't get married. Or I have a better idea. Why not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and partake of communion with us together as a child of God? That's a better idea. What a perfect day to accept the sacrifice of his body and his blood in a personal way. We had five people in the first service this morning that accepted Christ and then partook of their first communion as a believer with us. And maybe, yeah, let's celebrate that, amen? amen. So if you're here today and you'd say, you know what? Maybe you've even taken communion in the past at a church somewhere. Maybe you haven't, but you'd say, you know what? I want it to be meaningful today. I want it to be personal today. I want it to mean something in my life. I don't want to just go through a ritual. I don't want to just go through a duty. I, I, I want it to have spiritual meaning in my life. And you're ready to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And listen, no one is excluded from the offer of salvation this morning. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. If you're in this world, that includes you. He, he so loved the world that whoever, that excludes nobody, believes in him and Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his only son so you could accept him. And if you've ever wondered how much Jesus really loves you, how much God loves you, you have to look no further than the cross where Jesus stretched out his arms and was nailed to a cross and gave his body and his blood for your salvation. And he said, I love you this much, this much. Enough to die for you. Why not accept that gift this morning? Maybe today is your day. Today is your day. Would you bow for prayer with me? As believers in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you right now to just talk to the Lord. Remember his sacrifice. Rejoice that he's coming again. But also take an opportunity to repent. If there's anything in your life right now that you need to make right with the Lord... Would you take care of that right now between you and the Lord? And then for those of you that are here this morning, you would say, you know what? I, I don't know that I've ever really accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You say, well, what do I do? 
The Bible says whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And the way that we call on the Lord is through a prayer, an expression of a, from our heart. Now, this isn't a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. It's the faith and the belief behind the prayer. Prayer is just simply a way to express what is in our heart. And if in your heart today you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I want to lead you in this prayer of faith that you can pray right where you sit right now to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. I'll help you with the words, but they have to come from your heart, a heart of belief. And if they do, then today can be your day of salvation. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's and mean it? It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you today to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I accept your sacrifice as payment for all of my sins, past, present, and future. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. May I live for you. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I would never want to do that, but I would love the privilege and the honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer of faith, it's the greatest decision you will ever make in all eternity. And I'd love the privilege to pray for you that you would grow in your personal relationship with Jesus from this day forward. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand nice and high so I can see it by raising your hand and say, yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Yes, a couple up top there. Yes, God bless you guys. Thank you. Someone else, just slip up your hand. Yes, God bless you over here to my left. Thank you. God bless you. Several people. Anyone else? Just put it up nice and high so I can see it real quick. Yes, I accepted Christ. I prayed that prayer of faith. I meant it. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you. Several people. We welcome you into the family of God this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, we rejoice with the decisions this morning. Those putting their faith and trust in you. For the first time, God, we pray that they would grow in their relationship with you from this day forward, that we would come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ now that have been adopted into your family. We welcome them into the family of God. And Lord, we pray that we would do our part to be responsible, to help them to grow, to disciple them to maturity in their walk with you. We pray that they would bring others to you. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the bread that represents your body that was broken for us, God. Your body that was sinless, that became sin, took all of our sin upon yourself to make the ultimate sacrifice that we might have eternal life. We thank you for the shed blood that paid for our sins. Blood that we could not shed that would be acceptable, but yours was. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for redemption. We thank you that you've adopted us into your family for all eternity. And we rejoice in those that have joined that family this morning. And we pray today as we partake of the elements of communion, we would remember your sacrifice. We would rejoice in your coming. And we would repent of our sins. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we welcome the new members of the family? Amen. Amen. <laughs> if you would take out your elements at this time, first the bread, if you just open the top there, that cup with the bread, I'll read scripture and we'll partake together. The bread representing the body 
of Jesus Christ. Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate his sacrifice again this morning, Orchard Church? Amen. 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 Listen, if you accepted Christ this morning, you raised your hand and said you accepted Christ, please let us know about that on your connection card. Give us your contact information so we can continue to pray for you, minister to you. We'll send you some materials in the mail that will help you in your first steps and walk with the Lord. We want to know about that this morning. We rejoice with you. If you're a first-time guest this morning at Orchard Church, thanks for being our guest this morning. We hope we have been as much a blessing to you as you blessed us with your presence here at Orchard Church this morning. Hopefully, you guessed you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when we receive our gifts in just a few moments. We're not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we are definitely interested in you. Amen, Orchard Church? So let us know that you're here. We'll send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail. Also, if you are a first-time guest, I would love the privilege and honor to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard outside by the white tent. So come by, introduce yourself as a first-time guest uh, this morning. We'd love to, to meet you personally. The scripture says that that... Lord's Supper that night in that upper room with Jesus and his disciples that after they partook of that Passover meal, what we now know as communion, that they dismissed with a song. And I think it's only appropriate that we spend a little time of worship this morning, worshiping the Lord for his sacrifice of all the things to be thankful for this coming Thanksgiving week. Let's be thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation he's provided for us. Let's stand as we close in a song of worship. Worship through our giving. I love you, Orchard Church. God bless you. Have a very happy Thanksgiving.